ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility. And from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, you Break iFix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools. It's true. And it's also easy to visit youbreakifix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break iFix. Oh, motherfucker, you can't have my cornbread. That's for damn sure. Because if you try to take my cornbread, part two of my killing spree going to begin up in here on your ass right now. If you think about my cornbread, begin to taste out your mouth. That's for damn sure. Now, fuck him. Fuck this. Because I'm from New York City, goddammit. Nobody take no cornbread from me. What up, what up, y'all? What's poppin'? It's your boy, Trey Frazier, here in the house, y'all, riding dolo tonight. You're listening to the Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast, live right here on the Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast website. That is barbershopsportstalkpodcast.com. Make sure y'all check us out on the Facebook page. Also, you can hit us up on Twitter, at barbershopspor 2 and also on Instagram at Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast. And like I said before, I'm riding solo tonight. Maestro Styles is under the weather right now, so it's just going to be your homie for the next hour. Hopefully the next hour since it's been sort of a slow sports week, but you know, some things popped up earlier today that I'm going to definitely talk about. And uh, I do have a special guest coming on the phone with me in about 30 minutes uh most of you guys have heard him before on this platform he goes by the name of the hispanic causing panic uh he goes by uh the mayor of billionsburg um that's my homie right there he's from williamsburg brooklyn went to high school with him uh formerly of the politics and bird shit podcast so i'm gonna have him on in about 30 minutes or so to kind of talk about some of the stuff that's been going on in New York sports. And of course, I'm going to get his reaction on 
the situation with Spike Lee and the New York Knicks that happened earlier today. And you'll get my response as well to that. So um, I just want to get into a few things first, man, before I get into some sports, really, man. Um, There's been a lot of happenings. There's been a lot of deaths lately in the year 2020. And uh, we had some events happen over the past week that I want to send some shout outs to uh, people who've lost loved ones, folks that have uh, died in situations like what I'm about to talk about. So without, you know, you know, stopping and, you know, going further, uh, I just want to shout out the victims of the tornado that hit through downtown Nashville, Tennessee, late last night. It was about a little bit after midnight. Actually saw some pictures on the website, also through the news platform earlier this morning. And from what I read, there were about 40 different buildings that collapsed. I'm not talking skyscrapers here. I'm just talking, you know, regular four-story, six-story buildings that collapsed downtown in that area over there. And um, the damage looked brutal. I got to say, a tornado, you know, that's what it does. It rips through neighborhoods and it leaves a lot of damage behind. So, um you know, if you're one of the victims that's got to find shelter, you know, shout out to you um, for surviving it, one, and for two, whatever future it may hold for you, whether you got to rebuild your house or find another place to live, I hope you can do that. I know that a couple of the sports teams that play in Nashville, um, with the most popular one being the Titans, uh, some of their players have kind of put in some relief efforts to get people to places of shelter, which is, you know, pretty dope on their part. And then also, I believe the Nashville Predators have put together a welcoming to people that are looking for places right now in their arena right there downtown. I forget the name of the arena, but I think that's pretty dope on their part also. And then I think you have Vanderbilt University doing some things in relief to kind of help those people as well. So, uh, again, shout out to, you know, the families that were affected and, you know, to the six people that lost their lives in that horrific tornado, you know, may you guys rest in peace. Um, a couple other things happened, uh, tragically. Um, and these two instances pertain to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, in case y'all didn't know, and I'm not surprised that, this story was swept under the rug, but there was a mass shooting in Milwaukee at the, I don't know if it's the Miller Light Brewery or, you know, one of those uh, beer distillery brewery places. I, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a mass shooting last week and actually it happened Friday, if I'm not mistaken. And I think the Milwaukee Bucks had a night game because I watched that game and I know they had a moment of silence for the victims there. So this was five victims total. All of them were white, I think with the exception of one Hispanic person there. Um, the interesting thing about this mass shooting, a couple things. Number one, it was first reported. And then for some reason, when you tried to turn on CNN, Fox news, or, you know, hell ABC news, they wouldn't talk about it. And I, I wondered why this particular mass shooting was kind of swept under the rug. 
And one of the reasons that I found out was is that the shooter was a black man. And there were stories about and, you know, before I get into that, um, this black man who eventually turned the gun in on himself and shot himself. This man worked for the brewery down there. And there were reports that this guy made claims that some of the co-workers who were shot and killed in this incident were being harassing towards this black man. Um, In other words, this was a racial kind of a situation where he reported it to the HR department that, hey, you know, I'm being harassed racially here. I don't like what's going on here. You guys got to do something. And that these claims were never followed through by the HR department. So you had that. And the next thing you know, the guy gets fired, goes and gets a gun. I don't know if this happened the same day or not, but long story short, guy gets fired, go gets a gun comes back to the place of business and then kills the five people again. Four of them were white. I think one was Hispanic. And I got to tell you, man, this whole narrative of NRA and gun control and all this good stuff, I guess this only becomes a story when it comes to mass shootings that involve white shooters because I got to tell you, the media, the mainstream media was very quiet about this situation. And as much as I want to be in an uproar about things like this, disclaimer here, I can't be surprised anymore because, one, it doesn't fit the narrative that the media wants to portray. Whenever it's a black man who is the shooter, it's always, well, then that plays to a person's mentals, I believe. So um, in, in that case... You, you, you had that, and then also there was this other story that came out where the black man's wife and family were supporters of Elizabeth Warren, and if case folks don't know, Elizabeth Warren is one of the candidates to run on the Democratic side for president later this year. Look, I don't care about that stuff. I, I don't care who supports who. At the end of the day, nobody wins in situations like this lives were lost the shooter shot himself families are affected someone lost their parent their husband their wife brother sister you know someone lost somebody and i don't know how many of these guys were like the breadwinners for their family but if so that's a big loss for families like this so i could care less what the shooter's family's allegiance to a particular president you know candidate for president uh, i i don't care about you know stuff like that and and so um i i do want to point out that the mainstream media they definitely they swept us under the rug because the shooter wasn't white they turned this into oh it's just another regular old shooting in a you know almost predominantly black city in in milwaukee wisconsin Um, and then the other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is kind of, you know, hits close to home here. So, uh, me and my wife, we have a friend named Danielle. We sometimes call her sissy. Um, but she lives 
in our neighborhood, not 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 far from us, but you know, close to us. Um, she was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You know, for a disclaimer there. Um, so she lost her dad maybe a month or two ago. Rest in peace. And also, if not yesterday, I believe the day before, um, I saw her put a post on Facebook that one of her cousins who started a food truck in Milwaukee um, was a victim to police violence, um, to a police shooting, I should say. And I just so happened to research the story on the web and I was able to get some local news people in Milwaukee on their website. And the story doesn't get that much traction. Um, And quite frankly, I'm not even sure at this point that they've even released the name of our friend's cousin in Milwaukee. Um, But because he was so close to people there, um, they were able to relay messages to certain family members including our friend that hey you know this happened and um it was unfortunate but something went down and it didn't it wasn't good so um i I just want to send some love to sissy and her family for the loss of their cousin who turned out to be an entrepreneur in his own right with the food truck and it and according to one of the news reports it looked like he was pretty close with a person in business as far as owning this nightclub or some kind of lounge or something of that nature. And so, you know, just want to say rest in peace to that brother right there, um, you know, for losing his life. And, you know, again, this epidemic of um, police shootings, you know, with, you know, with black men in this country, is just, you know, it's, it's just ongoing and it just doesn't seem like it's going to stop soon so uh shout out to them man and you know shout out again to all the victims of um natural disasters shootings you know that that kind of a thing uh much love to the families for doing that so um just want to say what up to the chat room here of course we got a chat room um on barbershop sports talk podcast.com you can just click on the chat bubble right there and it'll take you to the chat room. Uh, just want to shout out the homie Big Kev, uh, three hundred three, uh, repping the Denver area. So I appreciate you uh, joining in this evening, brother. Appreciate you always. Um, I, I, I guess you know I struggled with, I struggled with a couple of names for the episode tonight because, as I said in the beginning, this was a very slow sports week where nothing really was jumping off that was like really eye popping um you know i know the spike lee thing went down earlier today um maybe i wanted to give a little bit of you know notoriety to that and so i just decided you know what man it's march you know it's a brand new month we're just getting out of february you know shut out the black history month always goes by quick it's, it's never long enough um this is a time of year for sports um march madness is coming um free agency in the nfl is coming um the playoffs for the nba that'll be in april and if you're a hockey fan you know playoffs is you know around the corner as well baseball season um actually starts i think march 26 so you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things up on the horizon in terms of the sports you know february is always like that slow month for sports 
All-Star Weekend in the NBA. The NHL's got their little All-Star game. We're coming off the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's kind of like a dead period after being fed football for about four or five months throughout the season. So March is here. And I got to tell you, I am looking forward to a few things. And I want to get your take, too. Um, Folks out there listening, you guys want to get in the chat room again. BarbershopSportsTalkPodcast.com. Click on the episode and it'll take you right to the chat room. And, you know, let me know what you think, man. It's March. What what, what are you guys looking forward to? Um, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to. Uh, There's a few things. Um, The Maryland Terps and, you know, me and Maestro were big time Terps supporters here. Uh, Obviously, we live in Maryland, so, you know, we support the Terps whenever they're good. Um, They're having a really good year this year. And, you know, say what you want about Coach Turgeon, but he's got these guys playing at a pretty high level right now. Um, They're sitting atop the Big Ten one of the tougher conferences in all of college basketball, uh, right there with the Michigans and the Michigan States. And, um, you know, and with other teams in other conferences, um, you look at Duke, you look at a team like Dayton, who just kind of came out of nowhere. I know they're ranked like number three right now um, in the top 25. Uh, San Diego State is right there in the top five as well. And I'm, I tell you, because of the fact that there's not a team that really scares anybody right now in college basketball, I got to tell you, the Terps right now have a legitimate shot to make a run through this tournament. And if I had to put a ceiling on how far they could go, they could be one of the final two teams in this tournament. Look, Duke isn't what Duke you know, normally is. I mean, they're still good. I mean, Coach K is still there. He's, you know, the face of the program, but they're not dominant. North Carolina is not dominant. Um, Villanova with Jay Wright, they're not dominant. There's not a, there's not a, a real dominant team that kind of stands out right now. And then you got the defending champion, Virginia Cavaliers. I don't think they're even ranked in the top 25, you know, the last time I checked. So, you got a lot of teams that's like bunched right now that, I mean, you could make a shot for, I would say about 15 teams right now that could legitimately pose a threat to win the whole thing. Now, when you look at coaches, obviously Tom Izzo is a coach you should never count out. Jay Wright, who's got two championships with Villanova, you never count that guy out. Always... North Carolina with Roy Williams. You got to throw him in there. You got to throw Duke in there. And maybe even Bill Self with Kansas. I, I, I forgot about Kansas and, you know, what they've done um, this year. You, you, you can never count those teams out um, when, it, when it comes to the tournament because those coaches have a lot of pedigree to their name. Now, does that mean that Maryland can't, you know, get you know, to the Elite Eight, Final Four, Final Two, whatever. No, it it doesn't certainly mean that. It just means that right now, everybody's got a shot. I think all the coaches that have been in championship moments in the past are going to find a way to coach these guys up when the lights shine brightest. Um, 
I do have I do have one concern for the Terps. And that's just sometimes the like the ability to just have these lapses through games sometimes. Now, they had a big comeback win against Minnesota the other day. Big, big, big time win. Um, I believe they had a big time win against uh, Indiana about a month ago. Um, so they've been able to kind of put together some wins where you thought, okay, this team's just going to pack it in and it's on to the next game. No, 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 no. They've been able to come from behind. They've been able to make some clutch shots when it counts. And to me, this is probably the best Maryland Terps basketball team that I've seen from a coached Mark Turgeon team. Like since Turgeon's been there, this is probably the best team he's had. And really, this is probably their best shot to really make something happen down the stretch here. So so I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the tournament and kind of seeing how that shakes out. I'm looking forward to who's going to be seated where because also that's important for the Terps. You know, are they a number two seed, you know, based on where they're at right now? I think they're ranked number seven out of the top 25 right now. You know, where are they going to be seated? Where are some of these other teams that you would think they'd be dominant but not necessarily present that regular season dominance where where are they going to be seated? So I'm 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 looking forward to March Madness, and that's in a couple of weeks. They'll have Selection Sunday, and then they'll get off with like the first uh, 64 or is it six? No, it's 68. I, I keep forgetting they added the uh, the two playing games. So you got the two playing games. I think one's Tuesday, the other one's that Wednesday, and then the real tournament starts. Thursday with a whole bunch of games and that's going to be pretty exciting. So, um, so I'm, so I'm definitely looking forward to March madness for certain. Um, the other thing I'm looking forward to this month in March is NFL free agency. And I believe the league year starts on March 18th. I think I overheard that earlier today. Uh, let me say, let me give a quick shout out. Um, I'm in the chat room here. I got professor X a.k.a. Kesey, repping the X-Squad, who is the face of the X-Squad. Just want to say what up, man, and uh, appreciate your support uh, for us here on the podcast tonight. Um, NFL free agency. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this. Um, So I I got a couple things, and I I saw a couple of things last week that kind of caught my attention even before teams really start to make moves. So, in terms of the franchise tag, so, with the Cincinnati Bengals, right, A.J. Green, who's 31 years old, who's coming off of this injury, the Bengals are looking to put the tag on A.J. Green. Now, immediately when I saw that, I was thinking to myself, like, why are you trying to, like, keep this guy? Like, you know, A.J. Green is quietly one of the better receivers in the game and you hate to see a guy like that be stuck on a team that you know probably isn't going to contend for a championship no time soon see players like that I, I i love to see players like aj green and even though he's killed my ravens over the years in terms of the talent in terms of performance those are the types of guys you want to see play on playoff contending teams potential championship contending teams so I didn't like the fact that that news about the Bengals came out was that they were going to put the tag on him. But, 
after giving it about a day or two thought about it, I said, you know what? Maybe this is the right thing for the Bengals to do. And and here's why I say that. They're going to draft Joe Burrow, or at least all signs point to the fact that they're going to draft Joe Burrow with the number one pick in the draft in April. And Joe Burrow is going to need a veteran-type receiver to kind of, you know, help him, you know, give him, you know, give him that veteran presence, um, you know, something like how Reggie Wayne was to Andrew Luck when Andrew Luck got drafted, um, you know, I'm trying to think of other examples and some isn't coming up to me right away, but that's the one example that I could, you know, think of right now, but you guys get my point. The Bengals could use the veteran leadership of AJ Green, even though, you know, historically the Bengals, you know, they compete for playoff spots. And then once they get there, it's like they don't want to advance in the playoffs. But if, if you're moving in a different direction, if Joe Burrow is your guy, you want to keep AJ Green around because he's going to be the veteran presence that's going to help Joe Burrow uh, get off to, you know, get off starting off on the right foot. You know, as a franchise, that's what you want for your rookie quarterback. So I, I gave it some thought, and I thought, you know what, okay, this makes sense. I think they need to go ahead and, you know, make that happen. Um, the other thing that came out earlier today was the Jaguars. And I tell you what, man, the Jaguars are just dismantling this great defense from a couple of years ago where it's just like, wow. Like, it took it, – it, they had that one season. It was 10-6. and six, It was 2017. They, you know, they're in the playoffs, they beat the Bills by a low score, and then they go into Pittsburgh, and they just basically just not so much blow the doors off the Steelers, but they drop 44, 45 points on the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and then you get to the title game against New England, and if it wasn't for them um, not being aggressive enough toward the end of that second half, the Jaguars might have been playing for a Super Bowl championship, but since then... They've been five and eleven. Blake Bortles has been trash. Um, you know they come into last season. They signed Nick Foles to a deal. They trade Jalen Ramsey, which was sort of the first domino on defense to kind of fall. And as that season was going along, you know they started to chip away, chip away, chip away. And then Coughlin gets put up out of there. And now um, and Gakwe doesn't want to be there, even though they say they want to put the tag on him. And now you got this trade that went down where A.J. Bouye gets traded to the Broncos for a draft pick. Um, so obviously the Broncos need, you know, some help in the secondary. So that's a good move for the Broncos. But as far as for the Jaguars, they're just kind of breaking this whole defense apart. Um, the fact that the offense over the last couple of years for Jacksonville was not as good was just as frustrating to the defense because they had to watch that offense go three and out a bunch of times and then they just spent too much time on the field Jalen Ramsey didn't want to be there because Coughlin was in his old school ways and then you got Ngakwe you know wanting out which you know I think could kind of turn into a Le'Veon Bell situation even with the threat of him being tagged and then this trade goes down so if you're Jacksonville, I think at this point, and I've heard, I've also heard that they want to trade Nick Foles, which, you know, wouldn't be such a bad idea. Good luck trying to find somebody to, you know, eat that money up. 
they got to go in a different direction. I, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, they had that one good 10 and 6 year uh, a couple years ago. And that was all she wrote after that. And if you're Jacksonville, you kind of cleaned house in the front office a little bit. I know you kept Marone as your coach. But this is just a totally different direction now. It's a, it's essentially a rebuild at this point. Um, I don't know about Gardner Minshew. He did look good in some spots last year. I think that maybe giving him a veteran to kind of make him compete for the starting job at this point is probably plausible at this point. So, yeah, Jacksonville is like, you know, they're, they're in sort of rebuild mode right now. I, I don't expect much from them in 2020. But in terms of the draft and free agency, I do think that they'll make some moves to try and start the rebuilding process here. So uh, in the chat room here, just want to give a shout out to the homegirl Kia. Uh, good evening, everyone. Good evening to you, Miss Kia. Appreciate you in the chat room. Appreciate the support and, and all that good stuff. And so um, I got a couple minutes before I uh, just take a slight break. And then when I get back. Um, I'll have my homie on here, uh, the mayor of Billionsburg, on here to talk some New York sports. But I did want to give a shot, a quick shout out to um, LeBron James and Zion Williamson because last week um, they had a couple of good games um, against each other. It was Pelicans versus Lakers, um, and actually the first game was later that Tuesday, right after you know me and Maestro got off the uh, show. Uh, LeBron had a really good game in, in that first one. Um, 40 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, Zion Williamson, also a pretty good game, you know, for what he's done in the first 16 games. 29 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. And then you go to this game this past Sunday night where, um, the game was closer toward the end. Buckets were being traded back and forth. And LeBron showed up when he needed to show up. 34 points, 12 rebounds, 13 assists. And Mount Zion, not a bad game. 35.7 rebounds, no assists. But the 35 and 7 is pretty important considering how close that game was. But, uh, uh, you know, a 34-point triple-double for LeBron James and he's one of the leading candidates for MVP right now. Um, even though I don't believe he's going to win it, um, I do have him in my top three for league MVP right now. And both of those guys, you know, it was it's kind of like the teacher versus the pupil. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, like you gonna you gonna come in and you gonna run this league one day? But right now, I'm running this thing right now. And I'm going to run it for as long as I can. And while I'm here, you're going to respect it. And so LeBron did his thing. Um, the Lakers are doing their thing for that matter. And Anthony Davis, and I know he's you know missed a game here or there, but Anthony Davis, I think, is a, a top five league MVP candidate right now with his 26 points and, you know, double-digit rebounds and, you know, assists. I think he leads the team in blocks and all that good stuff so so you got that there and um you know looking forward to a couple of more matchups and actually uh, me and maestro we talked about this before um the pelicans are not far from that eighth spot 
And the Grizzlies right now are going through some injury issues with a couple of their guys. And John Moran is still there. Um, He's still healthy. But the schedule gets tougher. Um, You're going to need some extra bodies to come in there and step up. Pelican schedule seems to be light. I know the Pelicans and the Grizzlies have a couple of matchups next month, if I'm not mistaken. So I think that's going to play a role. And I got to tell you, um, a first-round matchup between the Pelicans and the Lakers, while the buildup is going to be off the charts, I honestly think that in the end, the Lakers will probably sweep the Pelicans, even though the buildup will be pretty good. Um, but either team, whether it's the Grizzlies or the Pelicans, even if it's the Grizzlies Lakers, the buildup won't be as much, but they most certainly might get blown out by the Lakers. If the Grizzlies end up with that number eight seed in the West. So, so I'm going to take a break here real quickly. Um, when I, when I get back, I'm going to have my man on here, uh, mayor of Billionsburg, when I talk some New York sports and uh you know see what's popping with that so uh you're listening to the barbershop sports talk podcast live on our website barbershop sports talk podcast.com we'll be right back folks in about a couple minutes y'all welcome back it's the barbershop sports talk podcast live on the website barbershop sports talk podcast.com make sure you guys follow us on twitter at barbershop s-t-o-r-2 also on the facebook page 
at Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast and on Instagram at Barbershop Sports Talk Podcast as well. So, um, without any introduction, any interruption, I just want to um, introduce the homie, the mayor, right here. Um, you guys have heard him many times on this show. You know, in the last few years, he goes by the Hispanic causing panic. Um, uh, what, do you, what do you go by on uh, Instagram right now? I know you'd be changing it up. Right now, uh, first off, good morning, everybody. I'm saying good morning because I'm I'm coming to y'all live from London. I'm currently on vacation, so you know I'm a man. Uh, Trey hit me up, so you know as a fellow locked the night as an old friend, I definitely look out for when he he needs some assistance. I come and jump in, but yeah, so I'm coming to y'all live. The pandemic nightmare in the building. No doubt. So again, good morning, everybody, and. Get no doubt, yo, that's crazy. So you and you calling from London literally right now. What what time is it over there? Right now it's one thirty six in the morning London time. Wow, wow, that's that's dope, man. That, that that that's real dope. So, all right, man, let's 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 get into it, man. So, I I, I guess you've been keeping up with what's been going on here in the states while you're over there, um, in London. So. I have yet to talk about this tonight, so I, you know, being that you a New Yorker and I'm a New Yorker, I, I wanted to bring up the Spike Lee situation with the Knicks. Um, are you familiar with what was going down with that? Yeah, I actually saw it the other day on my Instagram feed, so I started doing some research on it to find out what was going on, and then I also caught his interview, I guess it was earlier today, well, earlier today, you guys' time, yep. on um, on First Take with Stephen A. Smith. And, um, no, people are saying, you don't have to be a New York Knicks fan to understand the significance of Spike Lee in the Garden. That's that's like putting ketchup on a hot dog. Yep. That, that's basically how it goes. Um, you can even say Spike came with the building. Because he he's a staple in that building. I think Jack Nicholson in every Laker game, you have Spike Lee at every Knicks game. Yep. Whether the Knicks suck or the Knicks are, are in the playoffs, Spike Lee's there as the most diehard fan, I think, in for any sports franchise. Um, how the whole situation played out was super shady. Um, if he didn't take in the, if they complained about him taking the employee entrance, why you wait till when he's damn near 30 years in yep. to complain about it? Right. Like, he's been there longer than some of the employees. He's been there longer than Dolan. Yeah. He's, he's been thinking that's that same interest before even Dolan had the team. Yeah, he so even said he even said on first take this morning that as a kid he remembers going back to when the garden used to be around the corner before they even built the yeah. one that's there now. So yeah, Spike Lee has been he, around. Yeah, that that um, I don't know what motivated that whole thing. Uh, that definitely that was definitely a call from higher up. I don't know what what's Dolan's problem, but it seems to be an issue with anybody that's a, a Nick loyalist. For instance, Charles Oakley uh, last season when he got carted out by security. Mm-hmm. What was the whole reason behind that? Because he he didn't like the, the the direction the team is going. None of us do, but that's not the way you treat Charles Oakley. If there's an issue with him, and you want him to leave, politely have security come to leave. They haven't carried out like that on national TV. That's highly uncalled for. Right. And then the whole thing with Spike was if there's an issue with Spike, like y'all taking his money. He's paying what three hundred grand a year a season for for season tickets. Y'all y'all kindly taking his money. And there's an issue with him taking the employee entrance to the to the to the court. Yo, 
call him up. Y'all got his number. Y'all had his number for 30 years. Call him up and say, listen, Spike, uh, for security reasons, can you please not take the employee entrance anymore? We, we can allow you to come in another side of the building with the other VIPs. We can have somebody escort you to the elevator go on the other entrance. And of course, Spike would be like, all right, cool, whatever. I understand. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But the way that whole thing played out, where he gets into the elevator, security come press him like if he like if he shoplifted, and be like, yo, can you come outside? No, that's highly uncalled for, highly unnecessary, and I don't blame Spike for saying that he's not coming back to any Knicks games the remainder of the season, and I wouldn't blame him for not coming back ever. Yeah, so here here's my take on it, right? So. I'm at the workplace today, and I'm I'm on the computer, and I'm on ESPN.com because I was trying to check a story out. I was trying to look for a detail in one of the stories from a game a few nights ago. And so you know how, if you've ever been on ESPN.com, on the right side of the screen, they always show tweets from ESPN personalities, maybe tweets that has to do with a particular franchise, and so... I just happened to look over on that right side of the screen and I see a tweet from Stephen A where he's talking about this has got to be the most, you know, Nick's stuff ever, you know, that has to be in relation to Spike Lee. And so once Stephen A was like, yeah, Spike Lee's coming on at 11 o'clock, I was like, whoa, okay, what happened here? This is like the first I'm hearing about this. So I immediately, you know, got my DirecTV app put the show on and listen to exactly what was taking place. And that's when I saw the video that was leaked out by whoever took that video in the hallway there where Spike Lee was like, you know, why don't you arrest me like you did Oakley? And I I, got to tell you that interview. Well, first off, Spike Lee, you know, Spike is Spike. So, you know, he's going to talk a certain way. Um, to the point where the interview may look or sound a little bit awkward. And that's kind of what it was for me. It was just like, okay, like, I, I know you Spike Lee, but, you know, get get to the point. And the, the more that interview got going, and even the more, like, you know, like Molly would try to say something, and he'd be like, let me finish my story, let me finish my story. Or, you know, Molly would interrupt, and, you know, Spike Lee would just be you know, agitated that she, you know, was asking the same question over and over again. And his response was, oh, you got to ask Dolan. You got to ask Dolan about that. And so, you, you know, the more that was happening to more to me, it just seemed like this was a like some kind of publicity stunt of some kind. Like it went from it went from him talking about what happened last night at the garden to. I remember, you know, the old Knicks back in the 70s. I remember the championship years. And it's like, I'm like, dude, we, we, we've heard this many times before. We we know how far you go back with this team. I'm, uh, we're just trying to figure out what the hell happened last night. And it just seemed like we just kind of got like the PC part of what happened, but not necessarily like, yo, like what what really, really happened. You know, I don't believe that Spike Lee should be treated that way. I think that if you're the Knicks, I think that situation could have been dealt with a little bit better. So, okay, he wants to go. He wants to enter the garden on the 33rd Street side, which he's done for, you know, 30 plus years. Okay, fine. Um, And if this is connected to 
Leon Rose, you know, being the new vice president of the team. Um, by the way, that happened yesterday. Um, if that's connected, yeah. yeah, So, so if if that's connected in any way to where maybe Leon Rose is trying to change some things, then cool. But I think it's important that in the same way he put that press release letter out there yesterday, I think you could have done the same for not just Spike Lee, but all your season ticket holders that, Hey, we're going to enter the garden a different way. And in Spike's case, I believe he should have known ahead of time, okay, we're going to change some things up. And and even if they didn't give him the heads up, at least they could have had the courtesy to say, hey, look, Spike, it's just this one time or this last time we gotta, we're going to let you in through this way. But just know in the next game or future games, you're going to have to enter in on the 31st Street side of the garden. I think that I think if that was done this whole thing would have been nullified. But i tell you one thing that I was very happy to see him do in that interview is to finally be pissed off. Because for all these years, and, you know, you said it, Mayor, he's been spending, you know, millions of dollars just to come watch the Knicks be crappy all these years. And, yeah, you like, know... Even the preseason tickets are expensive. And he was saying that. It's the truth. If you look at the preseason... Uh, ticket prices is just like if you're sitting in the bleachers at a regular, you're sitting in the nosebleed section at a regular season game. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's nothing so, going on in the preseason. So. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, for all these years, you know, and and, I, and I've, I've said this about a lot of celebrities that were season ticket holders that, you know, don't want to say anything bad about the Garden or don't want to say anything bad about Dolan, and I think... I think at one point Woody Allen became a victim of that because he had said something and then Dolan was like, I, right, you, you're not going to sit in this section no more. Um, I believe there's a lot of celebrities that don't want to like they they want to criticize the Knicks, but they know that if they criticize them in the national media, that their privileges of side court seats, box suites and all that other good stuff that comes with coming to the garden, that that stuff's out the door. The moment you say anything negative about that place or Dolan, for that matter, but, so the but here's fa- my thing, right? Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Here's my here's my thing with that. Uh huh. The the team has been terrible for quite some time. Yep. They had a glimmer of hope when Melo first came to the team that they won the Atlantic League yep. and they made the playoffs. That was, that was the one glimmer of hope. Yep. After that, it, it's been pretty downhill. After that, and it's, been, and it's just been getting worse yeah. as the years progress. Yeah. The issue is you're still charging ticket price. The ticket prices you're charging for for these games for a team who's underachieving, underperforming, and no superstar wants to come here now. Before the Knicks was not even the Knicks, just the Garden itself. Players were killed just to put on the jersey, just to play in that in that stadium for however many games per season. Yeah, like forty one games. They, they want to come in there and, and they want to play. Now you can't even sniff a high price. Or, or, or high caliber free agent to come in, mm-hmm. and and you keep putting out guys who who weren't even in the league, guys who weren't even drafted, guys who just literally came off the street, and 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 you want to uh, you want to set boundaries like for, for instance for Spike Lee or for Woody Allen, you want to set boundaries for, for what? What are you giving me that you don't? That all of a sudden you want to give me all these boundaries and all these rules and shit? You're not giving me anything. Yeah. Like if if. if these celebrities or like, like Spike Lee for instance or a season ticket holder want to make an impact 
don't show up to the games. Don't come no more. Stop paying for those tickets. Just just don't show up. And that's the problem, Mayor. That's the that's the problem. Is is that everybody keeps showing up? So Jim Dolan, so Jim Dolan takes it upon himself. But you know what? I don't care. Yeah. If you don't show up, whatever. Because I got so and so that has season tickets already. They'll show up. You know, sponsors will see them, and then they might want to do, do business with them, and they do it through the garden, which is great for me. But if these people stop showing up, then you'll see a significant difference in how things are being run. Because it's like, all right, you can't. You're not going to bullshit me anymore with with a shitty product, mm-hmm. a shitty team. We're changing coaches every every two, three seasons. Yeah. It's not even the coach's fault anymore. It's not even the player's fault. It's ownership. Yep. It's been, it's been like that for a long sucks. time. Been like that for a yeah, long time, had, man. Yeah, Steve Mills, yeah, Steve Mills who, who was president of the team for God knows how long, and he's done more harm than good. You have to remember. Look, I'm going to tell you exactly where the downfall of Nick started. Mm-hmm. When they first signed Allen Houston to a $100 million contract. You remember that? I remember. That was what? That was what, 2000? 2001, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, 2001? Yeah. And he only played, what, five games? Because he blew out his knee and that was it. Yeah, that was it. That was all she wrote. Next thing you know, the dude is working yeah. for him in the front office in some capacity. Exactly, because he because he's buddy-buddy with, with the owner. Yep. What, what did that do for the Knicks? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They went through picking up, washed up Penny, washed up Marbury. Uh... At one point, they had Othella Harrington and Clarence Witherspoon started. Two guys who are career bums starting. Yep. So, and then you and you progress, all right, Melo comes in, great. Melo comes in, we have a good nucleus, we're doing our thing. You got Jason Kidd coming in, he has a veteran presence. We're winning. Then for some strange reason, half, the, half that team, you don't sign back or you trade, and we're back to sucking again. At some point, these season ticket holders who come and pay all this money to watch, to watch this product, just don't show up. Yo, don't buy no more season tickets. Hey, I, I agree, home. man. I, I, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent in regards to you know just not showing up at these games and not putting your money towards you know this kind of um, product in you know in many people's eyes. I, I don't want to get off topic though, but. You know, yeah. I was I was one of the guys that was okay with how the offseason went for the Knicks last year. And, you know, people know what I'm talking about. You know, it's Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. They elected to go to Brooklyn and not come to the Knicks. I, I was I was one of the fans that said I'm okay with it and I still stand by it because, number one, the Knicks showed nothing but the fact that they had all this cap space and draft picks to show for it. It wasn't like it wasn't like the Brooklyn Nets situation where they were coming off of making the playoffs for the first time in a long time. They were number six seed. They had like forty something wins. And, you know, they you know, they made the playoffs with a nice nucleus of players. And that sort of kind of set them up to acquire K D and Kyrie in the offseason now. You know, both of those guys aren't playing right now, and you know it's you know it's with good reason because of the injuries and all that. But I was okay with the Julius Randle signing. I was okay with some of the other guys that they picked up because I knew that at some point, if the Knicks weren't going to compete for the eighth seed in the East this year, that some of those contracts would be expendable, and that they would get draft picks for these guys. And it turns out, with at least the Marcus Morris pick, um, with the Marcus Morris trade, I should say, that came to fruition. We got a draft pick for him.
back in the trade. It's exactly what I what I thought it would be. But other than money and pretty much trying to be like, okay, you're we're the mecca of basketball. That was the only thing that the Knicks could pitch these to these guys. They they couldn't they they didn't have no leverage the way the Nets had leverage or any other franchise that was in position to win right now. The Knicks aren't in a position to win right now, and and it, and it kind of it, it it frustrates me to see fans who are, who were expecting to get Kevin Durant frustrated because. Why, why? Why are you surprised? It's it's the same thing. It's it's nothing. It's nothing new. You knew. I I knew the the moment that he tore his Achilles. I was like, nah. I I I, I don't I don't want it. I, I I don't want KD now. See the the thing with that with that whole KD move was the the the, the whole mentality of it was all right. We're gonna get KD. All right. So he so he tore his Achilles. I was I was one of those who was looking forward to seeing KD in the garden. Then when it was spoken about Kyrie wanted to come with him, mm-hmm. which Kyrie already said in the beginning before the whole KD thing that he wanted to come play the garden. I was like, okay, so we're, we're going to start killing now. I get KD out with the Tory Achilles, and when he comes back 100%, yep. it, it's a wrap. It's going to be straight up 130-point games every home game. Cool. But then now hindsight, if you fast forward and you look at what's going on now, not even just look at it overall, especially with Kyrie. Yep. Kyrie has a history of injuries. Yep. And, and he was, when he was in Cleveland, remember he had the issue with his knee in Cleveland mm-hmm. and got him out of the finals. Yep. He had the issue in Boston with his shoulder yep. and knee. Mm-hmm. And now he has the same issue with the knee now in Brooklyn. I mean, remember the knee, sorry, the shoulder. So the Knicks dodged the bullet. In the beginning, we looked like fools. Because, like, all right, all we had to show for is Julius Randle, Whoopi, and Taj Gibson. Mm-hmm. Fucking Taj Gibson. Yeah, like come on. But now we we look like geniuses. Like okay, you you avoided having to pay these guys X amount of dollars for damaged goods, right? And that's and, and man, I'm I'm so glad you said this because me me and Maestro was debating this um a few weeks ago. Look, man, you, I could imagine had these guys been on, and I and I and I'll throw Zion Williamson kind of into the mix too because. Um, most Knicks fans wanted the number one draft pick. Obviously, we couldn't control that. We settled for the three pick. Yeah, yeah, that's... But at one point, at one point this season, all three of those guys were sidelined with injuries. And look, rightfully so. It's an injury. You can't help that. But could you imagine if those three guys were on the Knicks, what the narrative would have been in the media? They would have been killing this Knicks team. I don't want to hear, oh... They would have got a pass because you know they made the right moves. Well, no, 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 you don't. No, you don't get a pass because you have two max contracts sitting on the bench hurt. Right. Then you have who's, who's supposed to be the second coming of LeBron out for the first six to eight weeks of the season with with a, with, a, with a messed up knee, the right. same knee that he hurt in college. Yeah. So, so you're sitting there like, oh boy. His, his typical Knicks. That would have been the narrative. That would have been exactly. That would have that would have been the narrative because, and even with the you know with the Oakley stuff and with this Spike Lee thing, the Knicks never they never get the benefit of the doubt because they're they're always perceived or always in the middle of something that has nothing to do with what goes on on the floor. And when it has something to do with what's going on the floor. It's not a very good product that's being put out there. 
So, you know, for 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 someone to say that, oh, the Knicks did the Knicks would have did something good had they got these guys. No, they wouldn't have. That that wouldn't have been portrayed in the media that they did something good. For the media to say that the Knicks did something good, those guys would have to be healthy 100%. They'd have to be on the floor balling every night, and the results would have to show up for the Knicks to kind of be on that positive narrative road again. But even then, like say for instance, if if they did get those guys, and they got everybody, if... If they'll say the perfect storm hit and they got everybody they wanted, yep. and they end up making it to the finals or they end up winning the championship, say this year, that narrative is still going to sit there. Like, what's going to happen next season? Is this going to be a one hit wonder? And the next uh, season, I, 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 I kind of disagree with that. You said if they win the chip, then the narrative will still be there. Yeah, because it's it's like, for instance, I guess let's say the, the Jets for some god awful reason win the, win the Super Bowl next season. Uh huh. It's great at that moment, but they're not going to be. Can they actually repeat what they just did the next season? It, it's a big difference. Like say, like uh, say the Patriots win the Super Bowl, uh-huh. they already expected. Like even next season, even if they have a shitty team the following season, you still give them the benefit of the doubt because of who they have. Okay, is, okay. But but with a team like the Knicks, if they were to win the championship this season and walk into next season as defending champs, you're still going to look at them like eh. Like, do I really trust this team? Uh, like, I don't know. Last year. I don't know, man. I I, I don't I don't know. I I think we kind of side differently here. I I think the chip the chip for me would say okay, this solidifies the moves that they made in the off season, and they finally got it done. Now they could they could still criticize Dolan because Dolan will still be there. Um, I I do get that part of it, but I I, I don't I don't think the Knicks would um. I don't think the Knicks would still keep that same negative narrative even coming off of winning a championship. Yo. Okay. Well, we'll have to wait and see if that ever happens. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I want to see one in my in lifetime. lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hopefully. Oh, my let's, God. Let's cross our fingers. Yeah, for real, for real. Hey, man, I want to I wanna shift gears, man. Um, yeah. So, so these Yankees, right? Um... This is this is one of the seasons, right? This is one of the seasons where if they don't win the damn chip, I'm I'm going to start riots. I'm going to flip tables. I'm I'm just going to be a a madman running the streets because everything that's happened to the Astros this offseason, the way that kind of broke down, the manager gets fired, the GM gets fired. Um, they bring in Dusty Baker, which I think is a good move for him. Um, you see what's happened to the Red Sox. They got rid of their manager. They trade Mookie Betts, their best player. And so now they're kind of scrambling. Everything that's happened around the Yankees and the American League leads me to believe that we should be in the World Series come October. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no excuses. I don't want to hear that the Twins are still good. I don't want to hear that the A's are still good. I don't want to hear the Indians are still See, that's, good. That's a, that's, that's, a, that's a thing that, that's, unfortunately, that's a thing we have to throw in there. And you also have to take into account right. that the Yankees are, are down three pitchers at the moment. Because you have Ramon who's suspended for 60-some-odd games for domestic violence. Sever- Severino's Severino, out. Who's their best pitcher out for the season. Yep. And potentially out even for next season. Yep, yep. So then you also have Taxton who's out till May, early June. So all you left with is Garrett Cole, 
Tanaka. Right. And, and Aaron Judge is still injured. Aaron Judge is still dealing with something. So I, I get it. I, I get that we got injuries yeah. and, you know, and that, you guys, that's always a concern. Don't call Yeah, he's like the modern day A Rod. Like well, you remember when A Rod first got to the Yankees and all that pressure was on him, and you know he would just like not show up in the postseason. Like that's John Carlos Stanton right now. But here's the thing: but A Rod was healthy, but still not showing up in the postseason. Stanton it just doesn't show up at all because he's not healthy. Yeah, it's either his knee or his shoulder or something. So you know, I ain't gonna say it's PEDs, but. It's PED, <laughs> and that's the same. That's the same thing. That's the same thing that happened to Chris Davis in Baltimore. Yeah, that he had that one fifty home run season. Yeah, he had a fat contract, and then once they started testing everybody for PEDs, he can't. He couldn't hit the ball with glue to his back. Oh, dude, so, that dude. I think he had like what was the record? I think he had like fifty something straight at bats without a hit. And yeah, it was crazy because yeah, you, it's crazy because you know I'm you know I live in Balt I live in the Baltimore area and all they talked about that off season was how that dude's streak was like still intact I think from like the from the season that it started all the way into the following next year was when that streak was still going and you know people here just couldn't get their eyes off of it so yeah I, I get what you mean man. And um, but you got to admit, though, yeah. Mayor, you, you got to admit, even with all the injuries we have right now, I we we still at least in the AL East, we're, we're still the favorite in at least in the AL East. No, of course we're favorite in the AL East. Like that's that's a given. The only the only team I can see giving us a run for our money would be Tampa, because Tampa's always been that team where you know right. they're, they're very feisty. They might give us a run for our money. Boston, you can count them out right now. Yeah, they don't have any. They don't have any pitching. Um, they just traded with their best player yep. and one of the best pitchers on the team. So it's like, you know, you, they're, they're, you could clearly see they're in a rebuilding mode. Right. So I'm not even counting Boston this season. Yeah. Uh, again, yep. Tampa, Tampa's the only team I'm worried about in the AL East. You already know Baltimore's terrible. Yeah. Toronto's terrible. So they don't even count. Right. Well, as so far as the, the remaining, the remaining AL, of course, I'm gonna be worried about the Twins because the Twins. They added to what to what they already the nucleus they already had. Man, we, we man we smacked season. we smacked them niggas every time we play them in the playoffs, man. <laughs> Yo, everybody's due. Listen, everybody's due. Yeah, That's I, I hear you. Due. But you have to also remember, like a lot of those guys didn't have playoff experience, and then you were- buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice, so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air.